Welcome to the Littler Diversity and Inclusion Podcast. Conversations related to the human resource challenges of an ever-evolving workforce. Welcome to Episode 3 of my Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Podcast Series, Your Diversity and Inclusion Toolkit. My name is Elisha Asgard-Dotson, and I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator and an attorney with Littler Mendelssohn, which is the largest management-side labor and employment practice in the world. Happy holidays and season's greetings to you. In the spirit of the holidays, I decided to give something back to my employment law community. I asked you to send me your questions about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I promised to tackle three of the most intriguing questions in today's podcast. And you did not disappoint. I got questions and quandaries aplenty. So, without further ado, let's dive under the tree and see what questions I can unwrap for you. Okay, okay, no more holiday puns. Or maybe just a few, but I'll try to keep control of myself. So, I chose my first question because it was a good way to look back in time. A ghosts of seasons past, as it were. 2020 has certainly been a challenging year for all of us for a variety of reasons. And this member of my audience asked, What are the top three missteps you've seen employers make with regards to their DE and I efforts in 2020. Hmm. Many employers stepped up to the plate to enhance or develop entirely new DE and I efforts in 2020. Here are some of the most common hurdles that employers might have struggled to overcome in this space. First, it's not uncommon to think of DE and I as a function of human resources. In that vein, I've seen employers grow a DE&I department within HR, or perhaps even hire a DE&I officer or maybe a liaison and place them in the HR department. However, DE&I should impact everything an organization does, including its clients, marketing, communications, IT, and everything in between. So, even though diversity, equity, and inclusion might work hand-in-hand with human resources, it often works best when it is an independent arm of the organization that has direct access to the year of the C-suite of its own accord. Second, organizations also tend to lean too heavily on trainings, or rather learning sessions as I like to call them. Even the very best of DE&I facilitators who provide you with the very best of trainings, however, cannot hope to change organizational culture after just a single session. Trainings are great to build a common vocabulary, and they are wonderful to highlight organizational goals, but they have little impact where there is no structural change within the organization. So, I'd recommend trainings and a fully thought-out diversity, equity, and inclusion program to truly foster long-term change. Third, companies need to walk 
that talk. It's not enough to roll out updated diversity, equity, and inclusion policies or even statements if the whole company does not commit to the program. HR managers need to collaborate with leadership at all levels to socialize updated policies. It's like training a new puppy and taking them out to play. The most effective policies are talked about often and taken out to play with your employees. And it's leaders, not just HR, who should bring these policies up in meetings, speak about them casually with direct reports, diffuse improper behavior by referencing these policies. Don't let your employees hear about these updated policies for the very first time when they encounter them during a disciplinary or coaching discussion. Such a great question. Don't hesitate to reach out to me if you want me to discuss more about the common missteps that employers need to avoid before launching your very own DEI program. You can also contact me if you found yourself in a quagmire and you'd like some help to refresh and rejuvenate your DEI program in 2021. My second query comes from another curious audience member. It is to me the DEI equivalent of Ghosts of Seasons to Come. This audience member writes We have conducted DEI trainings in 2020. What should we add to our programming in 2021? If you are a human resources member, a DEI officer, or even a senior leader who wants to navigate your organization's DEI program into 2021, I suggest you begin with a self audit. Identify your company's goals in this space and then ask yourself to list all that has been done in the past year to achieve them. Here, it sounds like you have already conducted some DEI trainings, but I want you to dive deeper and ask yourself what kind of training was it? If you have not yet conducted a 101 level diversity, equity, and inclusion training, I commend my module Five Critical Steps to Eliminating Discrimination and Harassment and Building a More Diverse, Equitable, and Inclusive Workplace. It's a bit of a mouthful, right? But there's meat and substance there, I assure you. With this new module, I focused on bringing tested, effective, and engaging materials to help workplaces understand the basics of diversity, equity, and inclusion, while also empowering employees to understand the fundamentals of discrimination and harassment issues. I also use this module to help employees understand how these issues arise in everyday situations. Once your employees are empowered with the knowledge and common vocabulary of a 101 level course, you can begin to consider if your workforce and your leadership would benefit from a 102 level course, perhaps. Greater unpacked topics such as unconscious bias, bystander intervention, 
stereotyping and micro iniquities, among other things, as they move into the next year. But, as I said before, there's so much more than just learning sessions in your diversity, equity, and inclusion tool belt. Have you thought about recruiting and retention strategies? If not, now might be the time to revisit them. With regards to recruiting, you can try rethinking your expectations of your candidates. Might experience meet your needs where you have previously demanded certification? Alternatively, might a candidate be better able to be hired on a probationary basis with the understanding that they will earn that degree or certification within a certain period of time after hire. Perhaps you could consider updating your resume review practices. Have you heard of the research on hiring bias that was published in 2004 by Marianne Bertrand and Sandil Mulainathan, which found that resumes bearing names traditionally held by Black or African-American people were less likely to lead to callbacks and interviews than those bearing white-sounding names? So perhaps try to design bias out of resume review practices by scrubbing the names and addresses from resumes before the screening process. And maybe use analytics to decide where bias exists in your recruiting process. Maybe by analyzing your initial screenings or data from your final round interviews. Reach out to Littler or myself if you want to know more on how this can be achieved. Expand the scope of your recruiting practices by asking yourself, have you always targeted the same set of schools for several years? If so, consider reaching out to other institutions, perhaps some with more socioeconomic diversity. Reach out also to affinity groups at local universities and trade schools to learn about candidates who you might not otherwise encounter. How about considering to host a virtual information session during the pandemic to ensure that a diverse or differently abled candidate has as much of a likelihood of attending as those who you might usually encounter during in-person sessions such as these. And remember, it's not enough to simply hire a diverse palette of individuals. To ensure true inclusion within your organization and equity, at your leadership levels, you need to retain this talent over the course of their careers, and you need to attract new, mature talent laterally. So, make sure to invest just as much time thinking about the tools like mentorship and affinity groups to retain that valuable talent pool as you do thinking about revising and updating your recruitment strategies. While I received a great many questions, I decided to highlight just three today. 
I will quite likely expand on the topics raised by your many other questions in my future podcasts. I plan to do this so that I can give each of those excellent questions that you sent my way their true due, and dedicate full podcasts to unpacking the issues that you raised within your questions to me. So. My third and final question for today is: What, Elisha, are some surefire ways to achieve buy-in on your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts from your employees? And how do you get company-wide shared vision? To you, I say. Regardless of how much you and your organization care about diversity, equity, and inclusion, your efforts to embrace it within your workforce are going to be limited without that buy-in from everyone, ranging from rank-and-file employees all the way to your C-suite. So, first and foremost. I want to acknowledge that diversity, equity, and inclusion—this space—it triggers a range of responses and reactions. You should know going into developing your program that you just might not be able to achieve 100% buy-in or 100% consensus. However, if you listen. To what your employees are trying to tell you, and if you go out to them and gather their input, perhaps through listening sessions or courageous conversations, even town halls, if that is right for your organization, before you launch a diversity, equity, and inclusion program, you're just going to be more likely to gain that valuable buy-in. You know, you're also going to want to offer as much transparency and as much accountability as possible in developing and sustaining your diversity, equity, and inclusion programming. So, I would suggest that you offer your workforce the option of perhaps signing up for a newsletter. Or maybe you could develop an intranet page where your organization can provide regular updates with regards to diversity, equity, and inclusion goals, the programs that you're engaged in, and the progress that you have achieved. Remember that to build trust from your organization in this diversity, equity, and inclusion program that you are investing in. You need to demonstrate to your workforce that it is a long-term investment, and not just a flash in the pan, born out of the charged events of 2020. In order to gain that much-wanted buy-in, you also have to empower your C-suite employees, the highest rungs of your leadership, to. Invest in not just financially but emotionally. Invest in your diversity, equity, and inclusion programs by inviting them to participate and become—and I read this term and I love it—accidental advocates. 
when leaders have to advocate for inclusion and equity, even if it's just for an hour during a roundtable, for example, they will want to engage in behaviors that align with their actions as an accidental advocate. The more your leadership can act as advocates, the more likely they are to sustain their advocacy and push your diversity, equity, and inclusion programming forth. So these are just a few of the strategies that you can employ to build that valuable investment, that much lauded buy-in to your diversity, equity, and inclusion programming with, of course, the ultimate end of sustaining it in the long term. If you should want to know more, don't hesitate to reach out to me. My email address is adotson at littler that's A-D-O-T-S-O-N at L-I-T-T-L-E-R dot com. And we could more carefully uh, and concisely discuss ways in which I could help your organization build a sticky, sustainable diversity, equity, and inclusion program that will flourish within your organization year after year in 2021 and well beyond. Well, (laughs) we certainly have tackled the most intriguing questions that I received from you this holiday season. Obviously, we haven't even scratched the surface. There is so much more to discuss, the nuances that are unique to your organization. If you have any more questions about these issues or anything else in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, do not hesitate to shoot me an email or give me a phone call. We will continue to unbox and demystify these and other diversity, equity, and inclusion concepts in future podcasts, so stay tuned. I'll be seeing you around in 2021. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.